Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, everybody, it's a not-so-serious Sunday, and we had a very passionate talk before this one started. On many things. On many things. Personal things, and philosophical things, and inspirational Mm -hmm. things, and... Yeah, so some of that stuff's going to come up. Probably. Um, But one thing, and it's not topical, it is not-so-serious Sunday, but uh, definitely one thing that I want to talk about today, and further, this idea, is idealism versus realism. And what that actually means and, and how that applies. And I don't know if that's going to be the topic of the podcast because it's not so serious and we can do any, whatever we want. Yeah. And we will do whatever we want. Even if we are coming in with some kind of an idea about yeah. what we're going to talk about. Totally. But, um, so you know what? Because it's not so serious. I'm going to introduce the beer. Yeah. Right off the top. Whoa. Whoa. Oh my God. So totally new brewery, dude. I'm excited. Strathcona. They've only been around for a couple months. Okay. Uh, they started this uh, last summer, 2016. And it, by the way, is absolutely beautiful inside their brewery. Like, totally awesome hangout. Design's great. Um, Where are know, they located? They're over, um, they're on Hastings over by, uh, very close to Clark in Vancouver, oh, okay. BC. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a lot so of breweries around that. A little more area. west of Clark by, uh, you know, several blocks or whatever. Right. Um, anyway, yeah, they basically, I walked in there and, and they were super pumped and they actually gave me a taster of every single beer they had on, which was probably, I think nine beers or something. So yeah, a good, I had a good taste of their selection, which, you know, they were really good beers by the way. And it it was, it was down to a hard choice. I'm a few sips into this one and and I really like this. I'm going to take a, take a guess that this is a, that this is a Pilsner. It's not, it's not. No, it's an ale. All right. It's a Belgian gold ale belgian gold ale and it has the highest alcohol content of what they had on (laughs) oh not that i was going for that but um um yeah it was actually uh the person who i was talking to was like this is my favorite and 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 out of all the ones i tasted it was my favorite um actually before he told me that i was like i think i like this one the most that's my favorite too i'm like oh cool um but anyway what is the alcohol content of this do you remember well it's like six or seven wow yeah. Like it doesn't really does taste not like it. taste like it's high alcohol at no. all. Like this, yeah. this just tastes like easy and refreshing and totally. It's got a great taste to it. You don't really notice the alcohol. Um, yeah. It's got a little bit of that, that ale feel to it, but it's not too heavy. I find too. No, it's kind of, no, this, um, this is, this could be dangerous. Totally like dangerous kind of a beer. It's, um, you know, it's almost like, uh, it's like a fall beer. It's kind of like summer's over falls beginning, you know? But the sun's still out and you're still kind of like soaking up because yeah, it is maybe a little heavier than like a, a, it's not like a super light summer beer, but it still goes down ridiculously easy. Yeah. And it's got that nice, like kind of brown goldish look to it. So does it have like a special name or they, do they No, that's it. It's just the Belgian gold, Belgian gold ale. Yeah. Well, thumbs up for me. Yeah. So anyway, I, I definitely, um, check out that brewery and go and hang out there cause the atmosphere is awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really nice and cool people from who I met. Um, anyway, so yeah, onto the not so serious Sunday. So, uh, you know, we were talking about this, um, realism and being realistic and being idealistic. And, um, you know, I think ultimately, I, I don't know if we talked about this in the last podcast, but, um, idealistic is kind of a direction and, 
realism is a destination. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you were talking about a, a video you had shared and, and how someone was kind of explaining this. So tell, tell, tell us again. Yeah. Um, it, it was this video. It was, um, uh, someone had, had shared, had shared and, uh, and I, it was from like 1972 from a, uh, psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor, um, named Victor Frankel. And he's, uh, I believe it's, I know the last name is Frankel. For some reason now I'm thinking maybe Victor is not his first name, but to my knowledge, that's what his name is. And he's published a number of books, which I've been meaning to read because I've heard great things. Um, but he was giving this lecture to a bunch of university students in 1972. That's where this, when this video is from. Okay. And, uh, basically what he was saying is that, uh, like one of the, that one of the greatest things that we can do for each other in this world is to, uh, see the best in each other and to encourage each other. Um, and, and, I don't know if the analogy will make sense for me to, to just speak it because when he's, when he was like giving this talk, he had like a chalkboard and he was like drawing all of this stuff out. But basically it's the concept that he was saying is that like, if you are, are kind of realist and you just say, it's like, well, you know, this is what's realistic for what, you know, people can generally like achieve. Right. Um, then typically you know, it's, it's one of those cases of, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't aim too high enough. And, and like there was some, someone, what you were saying, what really interested me is you were saying, if we set people to a destination, then they'll never achieve really their potential. Yeah. They'll, they'll end up missing. They'll end up missing the mark. But if you hold a person up to a, a higher ideal, to something greater, to what they, what, they, they should be as opposed to what they can be. When you hold a person up to what they should be, they will be become what they can be mm. as opposed to you tell a person what they can be and then they end up like in a situation far worse. So it's like holding them to a higher standard. Yeah. Yeah. Like not necessarily holding people. This is not like he wasn't saying like, um, necessarily, to a higher standard, like you've got to do better than this. It was like, it, it just telling people that they are capable of, of great things, ah. right? Like just to, to be encouraging and, and nurturing to, towards each other and, and to, but yeah, to hold people up, to kind of tell people that they're, they can do more than maybe they think that they can. Right. Right. And, um, because when people start to believe that, then, you know, yeah, maybe they don't hit that ideal, but they, they can at least attain their full potential as yeah. opposed to when you just say like, you know, if you tell people it's like, Oh, this is what's realistic for you. And then they never achieve that full potential because you've set, you've set the bar too low. Yeah. It's like what, you know, that, the, that old sort of statement, I'm probably paraphrasing it, but you know, I, better to shoot for the stars and hit the moon than to shoot for the moon and, and hit the earth. Right. Right. That was one that someone was said that what to it me. was. Yeah. Yeah. Something like I, that. I've heard lots of different like takes on that one, yeah, but yeah. that was one that I, I, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fits along those lines. Yeah, no, I get that. You know, it's interesting uh, with the word believe it actually break it down. It's be and live. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and based on what you believe, you will be and live that way. Um, so if you believe that you have, uh, if you believe in very low standards for yourself, very low ambition, um, you will essentially, it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will be that way and you will live as though that is so. And over persistent, consistent way of doing that, that's what you will get. So in many ways for someone to be and live as though anything is possible to be and live as though they can achieve great things, they will live their life that way. And, you know, at least they will go beyond what they could have gone and, and, and probably have a richer, um, life where they experience more of who they are, you know, because I mean, you know, and I think the problem is, is we have, uh, we, you know, and I say this like every other podcast, but we have a, we do have a faulty programming, you know, mm-hmm. we have programming, which basically teaches us to hit destinations, uh, go to school, graduate, then maybe go to post-secondary, go to, you know, whatever, get a job, get married, have kids, buy a house. These are all destinations and milestones we're supposed to hit. And so, uh, you know, as long as we hit these milestones, according to that's doing life, right. Right. But think, <laughs> of, think about that. Just think about that for a minute. That's paint by numbers. Mm-hmm. Hit the, draw the line to this point, then draw the line to this point. And here, if you do this, you're going to have your life. is going to look like this picture, right? But like who really honestly wants a paint by numbers life, you know, like really honestly, like I think we do in the sense that we go, well, if I have a paint by numbers life, you know, I'll be happy. I'll have the picture, uh, you know, whatever. Well, and it's also something that seems like it's, it's attainable. It's realistic, right? right? Um, yeah, it's, it's something that, that we feel like we can, we can accomplish. And like, there's almost like there's some kind of a guarantee of a kind of happiness by doing those types of things or right. a fulfillment in our lives by doing these things. Yeah. But that's just simply not the case. I mean, no, there's enough, you know, dropouts, there's enough unemployment, there's enough divorce, there's enough, you know, to, to prove that, well, there's not like, well, all of these things are great. You know, they can be really wonderful things, but they're, they're not a guarantee. There's, it's not a guaranteed way to a fulfilling life. No, totally. And I mean that the paint by numbers picture was uh, formed under different circumstances. You know, if you look at the statistics right now, almost no more, actually more than 50% of marriages are getting in ending in divorce. Um, in America right now, almost, I think it is and maybe possibly more people are living below the poverty line. Um, they're not live, they're not making enough money to sustain their, their basic life. Um, you know, this, this, um, whole thing about follow these, these points and everything will work out. People are working jobs. They hate, um, people, people are dying of cancer. People are, uh, are, you know, a crazy amount of people in America are getting like, uh, diabetes. Um, people are, people are, are not this picture, this promise is not working out a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And so it is not a guarantee. And I think what's happening too, is I think that, um, you know, younger generations are beginning to catch on to that. They're beginning to go, well, I don't know if I want to work 60 years of my life for the promise of retirement and then to die before I ever get to experience any of it. I mean, here's another thing. Um, they're trying to take away, uh, people's retirement funds. You know, they're trying to take away all sorts of things right now. Yeah. And, and it's just a constant grind. You know what happens? The more that people buy in to the predetermined picture, 
the more, um, people can take advantage of that. Cause if you already know, like, like think about sports, right? If I'm a defenseman and I already know where the offenseman is going, well, pretty easy to stop. The offenseman who wants to do something needs to be able to elude my prediction. But if people continue to head down the same path, I mean, just think about it like uh, corralling sheep or corralling a cow or whatever into the, into the butcher. If yeah. you know where it's going, if it's controlled, it's pretty easy to take advantage of it. And so like, I think our generation is starting to wake up to say, you know, I don't want to walk into the butcher with the, with the, with the, without a guarantee and with the kind of hope that, Hey, maybe you'll walk in and it'll be okay. But like, you know, you start seeing enough people kind of, uh, going down the path. You start seeing, you know, people, you know, getting divorced, start seeing people get cancer. And I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm just talking about this promise that like a lot of us have been sold, you know, we're not buying it anymore. And, um, yeah, it does work out a little bit for people, but it's a 50, 50 shot. I mean, let's be honest. So like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do my life on the flip of a coin. Yeah. You know? And it's like, and, and also it's like, how do you know your odds of doing anything else? I I always loved, uh, Jim Carrey gave a speech to like a bunch of university students and he told, and he told a story about his, his dad who like became a banker or something like that. Because for him, he was just like, well, he became a banker because it was, dependable. He, you know, he was like, I can count on this. It's guaranteed like whatever. And then after like 10 years on this job, he was just like, let go. Like he was just, he was just canned Mm -hmm. and you know, didn't have very much to show for it. Right. So his whole point was just like, well, it's like you was follow your dreams because you could, you can do something that you think is safe and it'll still not work out. Right. You can still fail at something that you don't care about. Right. Um, so you might as well yeah. fail at your dream. Yeah. Doing your dream. Yeah. It's something along those lines. I, I know what you mean. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing about belief, right? Is belief is, is really don't sacrifice that moment, the moments of our life for some promise in the future that you cannot guarantee. I mean, if you can guarantee it, you know, take that risk, but like, you know, um, you know, don't, don't buy into the idea that like, if you just do these things, it'll all work out because, you know, we look at the statistics, we know it's not working that way. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think that, uh, especially for artists, I mean, you know, you don't wait until you're famous to start, to start doing it. You know, we were talking about this before the podcast. It's like, you know, if you're an actor or you're a filmmaker or you're whatever you're doing, painter, musician, don't wait to succeed to do it. Do it right now. That's what you love to do. That's what you wanted to do, right? Or don't wait for somebody to give you permission to do it or yeah. to say that that your your doing it is valid. Right. You know, like you you're yes. like you are the one who needs to basically validate what you're doing. You know, like you're the one who's going to be spending the most time in your art. <laughs> like nobody else is going to spend as much time with you doing what you do. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. You will be there for every single moment, every single second of every single project, every single performance, every single, uh, song, every, every second of preparation, every second of, of application. And like, you will be there for all of it. Yeah. So, 
you're the one who really needs like who you really need to, to have that validation from, you know, like if you don't, if you yourself don't feel valid as an artist, then like nobody else is going to be able to give that to you. Mm-hmm. I think that's, it's funny. Cause I, I think about the conversations that we have and, and we do have very idealistic conversations here. Um, I've never really thought about it until we just decide <laughs> to have this yeah. conversation. But I mean, I, you know, it's, it's weird because, you know, even I, I've had like an, I have an uncle who we, every now and then we get into like these weird little con, like little tiffs, like not, not super serious, but these little conversations where, you know, it's just like, I'm being called an idealist. Like it's like, it's an, a negative thing. Right. But it's actually one of those things that he, on occasion he said, he's like, I admire it actually. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, I mean, at the end of your life, that is, there are far worse things to be told <laughs> about you than, oh, they were an idealist. Yeah. You know, it's like, what's so wrong about that? Right. And it's like, why? Because I, I, I chose to, to try and look for the best. I tr- I tried to, to push people to, to something greater, to, <laughs> I don't know, like to not get confined by what we've been told by the limitations that have been, that have been set upon us that we've been learning our whole lives. It's like, no, I mean, we, we need idealism and I think we need idealism more than ever. I think so too. You know, I, I, you know, like they say misery loves company and I can understand why, you know, realists like to hang out with other realists, you know, bunch of Debbie Downers or Danny Downers, you know, or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> They're just like, Oh, the world's so tough. Oh, everything's screwed up. Oh, you know, like, you know, got it, blah, blah, blah. It's all about minimal. It's all about minimiz- minimalization. And like, you know, like, let's just make sure the bases are covered and like life shit and we can't do anything about it. Idealists are like, you know, maybe we could change that. Maybe we could change the world. Yeah. And like realists, like just love to get in there and go, it's impossible. You know, yeah. you can't do that. Cause blah, 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 blah. But you know, you're like, excuse my English. You're fucking Debbie Downer or Danny Downer. Like get over yourself you're about not, what you can do and can't do. You're not pushing you know? us forward. I mean, without, yeah, without you're not ide- pushing us forward. Yeah. Without idealism or idealists. I mean, we don't have uh, people like Elon Musk, right? You know, like that's a guy who's an idealist totally. for sure. Like, and, and he's figured out a way to start doing things and actually achieving idealisms because you know what? A and lot saying of people, that they're real. Exactly. He's, <laughs> he, you know why he's so amazing? Because he's not just an idealist. He's actually someone that's been able to show the rest of us that idealism is possible. But what's funny is it's weird because realists will always minimize a, an idealist. Yeah. They'll go, Oh, well that was possible, but this other thing isn't, you know, it's like until the idealist goes off and actually does that. And then they'll go, Oh, that's possible. But this isn't, it's like, get over yourself. You know, how many times do you got to be proven wrong before you realize like, you know, the African Americans in, in the States, you know, people can say, Oh, there's still racism, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? There's not slaves now. You know what I mean? Like women, 
right? Women's rights and actually women gaining power is substantial. LGBT and all that stuff, you know, gay rights and stuff like that. People can talk all they want about things not changing, but there's people out there that are like, you know what, this is my life. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. But like, I think what ends up happening for us is like, we're in such an inertia and such a comfort that like for, for things that aren't like racial or sexual or war torn, we, we're not, we don't have enough drive to like always make the difference, but there's always a few people. Yeah. Right. And we look up to those people. Well, to be, to be like a realist and, and, you know, we, we talked about this before. It's like, I, I, I don't think there's like, I think realism has, can help inform us. Yes. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a limited view on things and it, and it doesn't open up doors of possibility to us. It just keeps, keeps us kind of where we are. Right. And, and it's, it's very just numb and comfortable is, is the way that I, I feel about all of it. I totally agree with you. And, you know, as it's interesting, you say it helps inform us. Cause I agree. I, I think, um, realism is, is like an idealist without a sense of realism is kind of off on their own. Like they're, yeah. they're like way out there. Like you need to, you need to have some grounding in what's realistic. I mean, you need to have some grounding in like what's been already done. Like, yeah. you know, if you never, if you, if you don't like, if you're unaware of what's been done, how are you supposed to go beyond that? They yeah. say, there's a saying, you know, they say in film, especially they say, learn the rules and then break them, but yeah. don't break them until you learn them, but don't live by the rules either. But like, the thing is, is like, filmmakers who go off and try and break the rules before they even know the rules, they end up, they end up going so far off that it doesn't work. Yeah. But it's usually like, you look at like Kubrick, he knew the rules like exceptionally well, but he went and broke them because he knew them. He could. And, and it's, it's realism is like an expertise, right? It's like, okay, I understand how things work, but now what's possible. That's where the idealist, I think flourishes. That's where the, like, you know, it's, it, requires some imagination. Yes. But I mean, I understand like, cause there is like, there, there are people who are so caught up in idealism that, you know, they're, they're not even, they're not grounded in, in reality. Right. You know, like they're just like, everything is like, just like this fantasy utopia in their mind. And, and then it can become, it, it can also, it can, I guess, become almost a depressing thing in itself totally as well, because you're, you're living in a world that isn't real and, and you're, and you're just sort of thinking about like what things could, could be, you know, you're caught up in what things, you know, or what you wish things were. Right. Um, so I, I guess there, you know, there is definitely, we need that sense of, of realism to, to help to help us at least make, make some of the steps into creating change. Yeah. Right. We so, have to understand how the world it is a bit of a yin and a yang. It to is all a little, you're yeah. right. I mean, and I, you know, and I think it's dangerous for us to, to, to sit here and say this one's better and that one's not. I mean, cause you know, but I do think that, I think that realism is good. And I think realists, um, could definitely benefit from being a little more idealistic and I think if you identify as an idealist, I think we could benefit, you know, and I say we, cause I think of myself more as an idealist. We can all benefit from being a little more realistic, you know, and, and, um, you know, we're, we're both in this together. I mean, we're all in this together. I mean, that's the thing at the end of the day, you know, um, the problem that I have with the whole thing is that what I don't, what I don't like is how, um, 
what I don't like is being sold a bill of goods about realism. I just don't like that. But someone who's a realist, I can respect that. I can respect that you're a realist because you're very grounded with what has been possible and what so far is possible. But where I'm not okay with is when you take an idealist and you tell them that that's not possible. I think a realist can take, take to an idealist and say, well, look, this is what's been done so far. So what you're trying to do is based on what's been done so far, you're trying to take it here. That seems a little unrealistic for me because you're making quite a leap from what's already been done. Yeah. But maybe like, maybe it is possible, but right now, like, you know, maybe look at this, right? Like, and an idealist could, could work with a, a realist and say, well, Hey, look, maybe you're thinking too small. You know, maybe you're thinking about only what is available to you as opposed to what could be available to you. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about a realist, and, and, and I totally get the spectrums as a perception, but a realist, um, you know, I heard someone say to me once that like thinking outside the box is a question. So the way it works is that if I ask myself, and this is the problem with the real, this is the problem the realist has the realist often asks a question inside the box. So they say something like within their limitations, like how hard is this going to be? You know, will I be tired if I get up early this morning? The realist, like the realist is paying attention to the effects that they will face, but they're asking questions within that and they're not pushing their potential. Whereas the idealist goes, you know, I really want to do this. I don't really care what happens. And so in a way the idealist ends up finding more human potential on, I think ultimately because they might get tired later, but that wasn't a part of their consideration. And you know, you could call it ignorance. You could call it a lack of awareness, but, but the a willingness to ask a question outside of your comfort, to ask a, a question of possibility as opposed to a, a question of limitation. Mm-hmm. So instead of a reframing would be instead of asking how hard will this be? You might instead, because your mind will come up with an answer instead of asking that, you'd be like, how amazing would this be? Yeah right? And if you change like a simple framing of the question, suddenly your believe, your, your be life, your, your be live, whatever belief will alter in the way that you do your day. And, you know, by being different and living different, you might actually experience something different. Yeah. And I think also too, I mean, we often like you call sometimes the things that people think are real are not even real at all. Right. Like, it's just like, well, what I think a lot it's, of it it's is. like, it's so, <laughs> well, that's so much of your perception of, yeah. of what's possible. Right. Like one of the, um, like one of the first things that like, you know, I'm like, I'm engaged to like a life coach. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a lot of this stuff kind of like ends up coming across to me, but one of the first things that life coaches like to work with people, especially like in terms of career and finance is like, well, it's like, what do you like, what would you like to make over like this next year? Right. Mm -hmm. With like, you know, this business or this project or whatever it is. And most people, the majority of people will say something like, Oh, well, you know, I'd like to make, you know, like 20, 25,000, you know, like first year with this. And then it's just like, why so low? Mm Mm-hmm why like, like why not 50? Yeah. Why not a hundred thousand? Yeah. Why not, why not a half a million dollars? Right. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's just like, it, it, it's like, that's not necessary to say that, like, that that's what's going to happen. But why, why are you 
th- why do you think that that is like as far as you can take it? Right. Right. Why is that it? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you know, it, it requires you to challenge some of your, your beliefs of what you think is possible. Right. You know, like it is, it's sort of pushing yourself up against uh, like on that box, like you're in the box and now you're being pushed to the edge of the box. And then hopefully you kind of like break out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you can, and then a whole new world kind of opens up for you. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's like Einstein said, you're not going to prob- solve the problems of today with, or whatever, what, what got you into the problem. You're not yeah. going to solve the problem with the same thing that got you into it. Yeah. You know? And so like, I mean, that's the thing about idealists. Idealism is, is the whole idea is that you need to change your thinking so that the, the problem you're in doesn't even exist because it was your thinking that got you there yeah. more than, than the environment. And I think, you know, what's funny is like, we're really taught, um, at a young age and I think this is changing and I hope it changes more and quicker but people believe that there are external obstacles. I mean, okay, there's external obstacles. Like I got a table in my way and I have to walk around it. But but this, at the end of the day, I mean, that's a big deal. You're going to get to where you need to go. You got to walk around a table, big deal. Yeah. But like we walk around in life, like we have things in our way that are stopping us and like external things. And it's this person and it's, you know, my parents didn't love me or held me back or, you know, I, I didn't go to the right school or I grew up in the wrong neighborhood and all this bullshit. And that isn't really true. Yeah. You know, that factors into your, the cards you're dealt, but it's all about how you play them. And when you start thinking differently, you know, you start, uh, you, you know, you start being able to work from where you are in a new place. And you realize that, most of my problems, most of my challenges are inside of me, yeah, not outside of me. And I mean, yeah, there's certain things where like, granted, someone's going to be like, well, this is an external issue. It's like, okay, fine. But like most of the time, like most of the time, our external issues are bullshit. It's our internal issues that that hold us back. Yeah. And our internal issues are usually beliefs. So this whole idealism and realism thing is like, you know, it's an internal game, you know? more than it is an external. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think, and you know, it, as we started this conversation, it seemed like this was just going to be like a big harping on, you know, realism, <laughs> but I am, I am now like, Oh, okay. Like there is, there is a balance to it. Like they are, they are kind of equally important, but, uh, it, it's important that we have, we have a sense of, of both of them. Right. Yeah. Like it's, um, I, I, I don't know. For some I, reason, I yeah. thought JFK had said something about this, but I have absolutely no <laughs> idea if he did. But <laughs> well, there's a saying in uh, cinematography, a saying in life is uh, the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. And yeah, I, I love that saying because I think that's true. You know, and um, I think that idealists can shine brighter by being more aware of what's, you know, what's what's real and what's darker. You know, and like realistic seems limiting. When I think of realistic, I go, that seems limiting. Like what's realistic? Let's be realistic here. Seems limiting. When I think of like, what's possible, that seems like, you know, whatever, like it seems like open door. And so I think of idealism as the light and I think of realism as the dark. That's just my perception. You take it, you leave it. But, um, I look at that and I go, well, it's true. Your point is really right. I, I think that we, for us to expand and grow as human beings, as artists, as whatever we are, we need to be both aware of what's realistic, but then what do we, how do we want to take that realism and move it beyond what's possible? Yeah. Well, I mean, the idealism, it's like that vision. It's that thing that you, that you're, you're aiming towards. Right. And then that's, that's what you need to have 
in place first and foremost. And then that's when I feel like we've had this conversation with different language before. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But it's like we, but it's like, then that realist can step in. Cause like, it was just, as you were saying, it's like, okay, well, well, what, what can we do right now? Like what's possible? Like that's, that's the realist. So it's like, you have, you have the vision and that's the, sometimes you get caught the, the idealist. It's just like, Oh, but I want, I want it to be like this and like this and like this. Right. It's like, okay, that's great. But right now, what can we do? Right. Like, like, yes, we're, we're working towards that right now. What can we do? So it's like, you know, you're making, you're making a film and you want this crazy, you, you know, idealistically, it's like, you know, you have this big sweeping, like crane shot, you know, but you're an independent production. You don't, you can't afford to have a crane and the realist steps in. It's like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. What, what else can we do? Right. right. Like what, what can we actually achieve with this? And it's just like, well, you know, we got We can do a drone shot. We can get a person to do a drone <laughs> shot. Okay. All right. I love that, that you said that. Cause I know someone on the other line's like, use a drone, use man. A drone, man. <laughs> use a drone. It's like a but whole you, new side of filmmaking these days. It's well, really cool. yeah. I mean, what's really cool is actually when, you know, we're talking about this two things. One is that film has changed a lot in the sense that our things that were, were not realistic, a while ago are very, very realistic. Now. I mean, just think about it. It used to be that you used to have to shoot on film. Do you know how expensive that was? Cool. Now you can buy a camera. There's a, you know, I'm going to give them a little plug. Cause I actually like, like their, their little company thing, but it's called wish. It's an app that's on uh it's basically you can get on your iPad or whatever else probably. And, um, anyway, you can buy like a camcorder at like 90% off granted. It's not name brand, but it's like HD. So you can yeah. get an HD camcorder for like, like a hundred dollars. It's like a 600 something. I think there's even ones that are like $60. Yeah. You can go film a movie on that. And like, you just get your friends together and everybody does it for free and your movie costs you 60 bucks and you make as many movies as you want at 60 bucks. It used yeah. to be that you have to go out and buy like, <laughs> cartridges of film, figure out how to get this camera, rent it, find someone that actually knew how to use it, develop that shit. You know what I mean? Like it was difficult. Get an editor who's physically going to like cut it and like, uh. (laughs) and so like, you know, a crane shot used to be a really difficult thing. Like these drone things now, like when I was in film school, if you wanted to do basically a crane shot, you had to, you know, you, you had to use a crane, you know, like that's yeah. or you had to figure out some way to get somewhere higher. Like, but yeah. this is what you had to do. You know, or you had to like, <laughs> you had to get like some intern to like swing from like a rope in a tree yeah, or something. Pretty much. And you're like, well, use like a second and a half of that. <laughs> Don't drop the camera. <laughs> totally. totally. So, but now, you know, with drones, you see these, sh- you see, you know, I've been, uh, you know, seeing movies. And the other thing too, is like, there's all this stock footage that's just so readily available for everybody. And so like people can get these amazing shots that like pro cinematographers have taken and they just have to pay like 150 bucks or whatever to yeah. get this amazing totally. shot. There is uh, like, I, I might've mentioned this on earlier on early podcasts, but yeah. I was watching, I was watching a movie with my fiance. I was watching midnight in Paris. Um, fantastic Woody Allen movie. Yeah, and the whole, movie. the whole opening of it is just like shots of Paris with like this music playing in the background, like during the opening credits. Right. And it's, it's, you know, this wonderfully whimsical thing. And we're just kind of watching it. And then my fiance just said, this is all just like stock footage. <laughs> and I went, yeah, 
Of course it is. Because why would a crew go out and spend like, like a whole day right. or like days, several days going to all of these different locations? There's literally some company, a person who's gone out there and already shot all this stuff. Right. They basically just like added a color filter to it to match it with like the rest of the look of the, of the movie threw some music on it and it's a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing is we, we almost don't want to believe it. We want to, we want to believe. And that's why stock footage works so well. But I think like, that's the thing is like, you know, there, these things that were like not possible before, because like so many people have contributed, like I, I would say that most realists don't act, especially in film, but let's, let's say for film, maybe in other things in life, I don't know, it's different, but in film, most realists don't understand what's actually realistic. Like usually what, what's really good is if you have an industry expert to kind of come along and kind of teach you the tricks that they do to save money. Because even at the top they're, they, they, you know, they don't want to spend money, right? They yeah. don't want to spend any more, more money than they, than have, they have, to. have to. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, because I mean, every dollar you spend is a dollar you got to figure out how to earn back before you start making anything. Yeah. Right. And when you, when that's your career, I mean, just think about it. Like, like, let's just say that you showed up to work right? And you're a bartender. I'm just going to use this example, but you don't know how much, how many drinks you're going to sell, but you have an assumption. I'm going to sell about, you know, $3,000 worth of drinks tonight. So what you have to do is you have to buy that $3,000 worth of drinks and then you're going to make, um, money on top of that. Maybe you sell it with a 20% increase, 30% increase. You know, if it's wine, maybe it's a hundred percent increase. I don't know. You sell it at that. But what happens if you only sell a thousand dollars worth of drinks that night? Well, you might come out and you might actually have lost money that night. That's what movie making is. That's what people don't realize is that you have to pre-buy what you're selling. And so like, um, you know, and so like when we're, when we're getting into it, like this is how a producer thinks. A producer thinks, well, if, you know, if, if, let's take the bartender because lots of actors are bartenders or, or, and they're servers, right? Yeah. Let's say that the food and drinks that you sold, you know, on your su- Saturday night or Friday night, you had to buy all that first and then you could sell it and you got the increase, right? Would you be willing to do it? You know, and like you'd start to go, well, can I consistently sell that much on that night? And on a Thursday night or a Wednesday night or a Monday night, you're, you might have a different amount that you'd be willing to spend and risk, right? And so like realism is understanding the odds of like, will I oversell this? Idealism is going, is there a way that we could maybe, you know, guarantee or like, you know, figure out a way that's like, we could sell more, we could do more and both have to work together. But this is, it's interesting. Like I love using that. And that's a great analogy. Like using that one. I mean, if I do say so myself, (laughs) (laughs) I came up with it. But but I think it's good because, you know, we start to realize like realism is, you know, like there are cause and effect, right? Like we have to, we have to deal with, um, we have to deal with certain things, but idealism like kind of looks like, okay, this is, you know, this is what's realistic, but how do we make it like go beyond that? Like what's possible? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I really think that it is important that, that we have an understanding of both and how they can, how they, how each of those views can help us and how they can also turn against us. Right. Because, idealism can turn into like perfectionism and then you never get anything done. Right. You know, like you're just, you're, you're constantly caught up in just like these lofty ambitions and nothing will ever be good enough 
to fill it. And then it's just like, and, and now it's just become a stagnant thing where, you know, the, I think the realist can, can help take idealism and turn it into like some sort of tangible action. Right. But on, on the flip side, if you're, if you're just a realist, like you, it's the same thing, which is interesting. It's like on the most extreme of each end of it leads to inaction. I think one without the other is the problem. I think that's what I'm getting to at this point in the conversation is I'm realizing like realism without idealism is a problem and idealism without realism is a problem. And like, you know, I, I remember when I was younger, I was definitely more of an idealist. I was a possibility guy. I was usually the guy that came with the ideas. So I'd be like my friends, okay, so we can go climb a tree. We can go take a walk in the forest. We could see a movie. We could do this. I remember I had this one friend for, for a period of my life. And he would always be like, well, we can't do that. Cause of blah, blah, blah. We can't do that. Cause of blah, blah, blah. He'd always be the fucking downer yeah. to the idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he never contributed anything. It was like, never like, well, we can't do that, but we could do this. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's not possible. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's not possible. And, uh, you know, it's funny, like, uh, like, <laughs> you know, um, it's funny. Like when someone thinks that way, their limitations of their view. Like I remember he actually saw me at one point say no to a parent and he was like, I'd never seen anyone do that before, but I don't think for him. And I, I don't think he's a bad person. I think yeah. he's a great person, but I think for someone that, and it's not even his fault. Like, he's like we were kids, right? So obviously his upbringing had been more around realism, yeah. you know, which has probably paid a lot of benefits for him in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mine maybe was a little bit more around idealism but in, in certain ways that paid off for me and probably in certain ways has worked against me. And I think he taught me in many ways to be more of a realist. So I'm not saying he's a bad person. Yeah. Like I kind of made fun of him, but at the same time, you could probably make fun of me because I'm probably like a little bit more when I was younger, especially being a little bit more like, you know, dreamy, you know what I mean? But I remember he said to me once, like we, I said no to a parent and he was like, I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> I was like, and he was blown away by yeah. that. Like that, that a kid would say no to an adult and be like, whatever. Cause he was very like, he, you know, did what he was told. Yeah. I, I was like very much the opposite. <laughs> like, <laughs> as you're, we talked about you're, in other you're, podcasts. You're as what the, in, in what the public education system would refer to as a delinquent. As, <laughs> as trouble as trouble as that was definitely trouble <laughs> teachers teachers didn't always like me although i did find a few that really did um really did like my kind of willingness to kind of critically think and thank god i met them because yeah they helped me flourish you know yeah no it's like sometimes you think that like all teachers are kind of like the same you know no. like they're all part of like they all think the same way mm-hmm. they all believe the same things and and it's like no it's it's not even not even close. It's like, there's, it, it's, there's some amazing teachers. There's some out amazing there. teachers. And it, out really, there it are, only takes one. This is the other thing. Yeah. It really only takes one teacher to change your entire opinion about education. Yeah. And mine was my English teacher and she, she changed my mind about everything. She, she taught me like to be possible and like to say no and to say what I wanted, you know? Yeah. And well, she was an English teacher. So she kind of had a little bit of uh, you know, the artistic mindset right? And I, I think that that has been one of the greatest gifts of my life, mm-hmm. you know, but a, a lot of m- most of my teachers in my experience were kind of like very rule bound, very like, you know, do it this way. And yeah. If you don't, it's wrong. But, um, yeah, but I think like, that's, the, that's the thing. Can you imagine though, as, as to grow up and have it 50, 50, as opposed to like one out of like yeah. 10 or something like that'd be amazing or one out of however many you have. Right. But if you had like half your teachers were like, yeah, think for yourself, do, what do you want to do? 
you know? Yeah. Like, what do you think you should work on? You know? And, and like, you know, and why don't you want to do that? Like, what's like, what's your reasoning behind that? You know? And then the teacher who actually gets you to kind of go, well, I don't, I don't see why this, you know, the student goes, well, I don't see why this benefits my life. I don't see the point. And the teacher goes, okay, well, let's talk about it. You know, let's figure out why is, why would this be good for you? Why would it be good for you to figure out how to communicate your essay to someone else? Yeah. You know, well, no, it might be good because, you know, then they can understand what I'm trying to say. And now we're talking about it and I'm making reason and it's yeah. working. But the other teachers, it's like, do it or you fail. It's like, yeah, well, what does failure even mean? I don't like, and I'm like the kind of student that was like, well, forget it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's difficult because I don't want to like paint a bad brush on like teachers. A lot of teachers are really well-intentioned people and there's a curriculum that they have to teach, you know, like that they are required by, you know, yeah. the board that they have to, to get through. But, um, you know, some teachers definitely seem to find, find a way of, it's like, yeah, you're going to learn this, but you know, you're going to get a couple of like a couple of other little things in here too, that they, they, they get across to you. Right. Um, but also, you know, there's a lot of teachers like, you know, they're, they're teaching classrooms of like 30 people. And it's like, you know, to try and give everybody, individual attention is not always possible, which is unfortunate, but there are definitely, you know, a lot of teachers who are just like, like, just do it. Like, don't give me trouble. (laughs) Just do the assignment because it's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And it's like, well, it's like that. It's like that, you know, it's like the free thinking is free thinking is a real headache. I mean, when people, when people start thinking for themselves, you know, when there people who want law and order and control, I mean, when people start thinking for themselves, it's a real, it's a real bitch, you know, because now they can't just tell you what to do because now yeah. you're going to be like, well, why? Like, you know, or you're going to be like, well, no. And, and, and that's a real problem. You know, enough people start saying no, you know, why do you think slavery ended? Enough people started saying no, but that's the beauty of like free thinking. Yeah. You know, why, why do you think like women are starting to gain some traction in the world now? Cause they start saying, no, I'm tired of this shit. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, I, I relate to that struggle. I relate to being the, the minority in the situation. I'm also the youngest of three sons and my brothers are, you know, six and eight years older than me. So I got, you know, I was, I was, you know, physically like if I didn't, if, if they wanted to watch a TV show, the remote was taken from me. Yeah. You know, if they physically wanted to do something, they could help hold me down. You know, there's a certain point in my life where I started going, you know what? You guys can't tell me what to do. You know, and, 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 and I think that's part of being the youngest sometimes <laughs> is what, especially when you've been physically dominated in your yeah. life, you start to go, you know what? I know what it's like to be dominated and I'm sick of that shit and yeah. I'm not going to take it anymore. At the same time, I can understand why someone would want law and order and consistency. I get that. I mean, cause if we're all running around doing random stuff and we don't have ethics and, and morals in place, it's yeah. bad. Yeah. It's right? not conducive to, to our progress either. No. Yeah. So we do need someone to enforce some of this stuff. And like, I mean, cause like, imagine you go to your, uh, your coffee shop and you line up and you're sitting there for five minutes waiting or whatever. And somebody comes in and just cuts in front of you and they're bigger than you. And they say, screw off. Well, people don't really that do shit that. It does happen, man. but it does. But people don't do it like all the time because there's yeah. a certain kind of you know, there's a certain kind of order, you know, and it's not because, you know, and I want to argue that it's not because people are thinking so much always about how it's screwing over the other person, but they're doing it just because 
they're not even thinking about it. You just line up. They're not thinking yeah. about the fact that if they cut in someone, because you know why I, I, I think that is because in traffic, people will cut people off. And when you're in your car, there's a lack of humanization, you know, with people, oh, a lack yeah, of empathy. Yeah. So people cut in front of each other without considering, you know, that, Hey, like I just kind of budged. Right. But when it's, when you have to look the person in the eye, you know, when it's, when, when people can witness you doing it, there's a little, you know, whatever. So this keeps a certain amount of order. Yeah. Right. So when it's, and, it, and you know, but, but, but like, uh, if people were self-guided, I mean, we would be, we, we wouldn't need so much order, but the problem, I mean, it comes down to this other problem, which I know this is a little bit off topic, but kind of on topic is that we're not self-guided enough, like from a, from a solid place. We're kind of like, we're guided a little bit too much from like, I want this cause I want this. And, yeah. You know, I want what I want and I don't really care how it affects others. But if we kind of went like, I want this but let's consider how it affects everyone before I make that decision. If we came from that place, if we were taught from that place, I think we'd be better. Yeah. Um, so I can understand why realists and, and, and people who want order, I can understand where they're coming from. Cause I mean, you know, we need, we need people who are realistic to help us function. Yeah. You know, I, I think that this is all, this is all relevant to, to what we talk about. I mean, in, in it applies to, to artistry. It applies to industry. I mean, yeah. it's like, I, I think, I think as, as artists, it's, it's really important that we, we have these conversations that we think about these things that we are aware of, of our beliefs, our training, our behaviors. I mean, this is all, I mean, it's all so that we have fuel. It's all like, we need to have a very worldly understanding. Like we need to open our minds like, and, and because if I, if we really want to say something as artists, it can't be from, it can't be from inside the box. No. Right. And if we are in the box then we have to be aware that we're in the box and then we have to, you know, try and open like, and that can be become now part of the expression. It can become a way in which you get outside of the box, right? right. Like it's, it's, I think it's, you know, it's not about being right, but it is, it is about having a sense of, of curiosity about our world and the things around us and how we see things. Like it can all become, uh, it can all become fuel for us. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my teacher, Larry Silverberg, he used to, he used to tell us, he's like, it's all grist for the mill, including the mill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's like, I I love that. I love that. It's just like, it's, it's all, it's all fair game, right? Like it's all fair game. Just like, but you have to open your mind. That's the, that's the, the reality of it, that that's the possibility of it, that it's all up for grabs. Yeah. Right. It's it's interesting. Um, you know, as I'm thinking about this more and when you're a kid, you're, you're, you're very like idealistic because I mean, and I don't know if this is the same for everybody, but, um, at least in the North America first world, my experience of talking to other people and interacting with them, we all kind of believe that we could be anything, which is very, very idealistic. It's, it's, it's idealism to the extreme. You know, you could be president, you could be whatever. And in many ways, when you're a kid, you're kind of, you don't have a lot of, uh, you haven't kind of been sent down a path so much, you know, it is kind of possible. You could kind of be anything. I mean, you have a lot of open, 
I don't think it ends as soon as we, we, we're taught to believe though. Like, cause I think what ends up happening is we kind of, you know, like actors or, or people who maybe they didn't get into acting in their say teens or twenties, they kind of go, well, it's too late for me. I'm too old now. It's like, well, no, not necessarily, but we we kind of do buy into these beliefs of realism because we go, well, how many people make it in their thirties or forties or fifties? Like, yeah, some people do, but how many? It's like, but that's the problem with realism because realism kind of takes the statistics and it holds them against you. And it, and it says, I'm going to, I'm going to imprison your beliefs of possibility by statistics that have happened for everybody else. And that have happened in the past. Idealism at the same time though, like goes, anything's possible. But the problem with idealism is, but like there's an earning, there's a, there's a cause and effect and interaction with reality that you have to think about. Like if you, like I actually, uh, Jack Canfield, I think that's his name. Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, he wrote a book, uh, 52 something. Um, anyway, it was a, I don't remember it. Oh my God. But, uh, we'll we'll make, maybe make a note of it. Anyway, he said, uh, he pointed out something is like, well, maybe you want a yacht. Maybe like part of your dream is to have this big, nice boat. Right. But he said, go figure out what that would actually cost. Cause maybe you don't really want a boat. Like if you had all this money, like if you understand how much it costs to have a boat, they got to have it docked that, to fuel it, you know, to take care of it, to make sure it's good. Like the idea of having a, a yacht you might like, but if you looked at the costs, even if you're making millions of dollars, you might not want to spend your, your money on maintaining this yacht. Yeah. You know, but I think the thing is with idealism, we have these visions. Like when you have that vision board, we have this vision of like, I want to do that. Like you, you know, you might see like a guy who has like a, a picture of, of this, like really fits six pack, you know, dude or whatever, something like, I want to be fit like that. And it's like, yeah, but here's the realistic part of that. Like, that's the ideal. That's what you want. But here's the realist. You got to go to the gym, like a lot. You got to eat. You got to start eating. Well, you got to stop eating fast food. You can stop eating sugar. You got to stop doing that. Are you willing to make the sacrifice to make that possible? And the realist looks at the sacrifice of what it takes. The idealist looks at the vision, but you need both. Uh, you know, yeah. like you need to have the vision, but you also need the realistic of like, am I willing to do what it would actually take yeah. to make that? So <laughs> there was a, there was a line from the movie Ronin. Yeah. Which is a terrific action movie from like either the late nineties or early two thousands. I'm going to say late nineties. Ronin. Ronin with oh, Robert yeah. De Niro. Just, yeah, it was mid or late nineties. Just yeah. awesome. I think awesome. So. Yeah. Awesome movie. Um, and De Niro has a line in that in that movie where he says, uh, everyone wants to go to the party. No one wants to stay to clean up. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. Everyone just like wants the, you know, yeah, they want the, the great thing, but they don't want to deal with like, you know, the effects of it or like what it takes to do that. Right. Yeah. And it comes on both sides. I mean, it comes on the effects and it also comes on the earning that this, 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 this side of, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in sacrifice and, and uh, I'll get to that in a minute, but the, the kind of hardship, the challenge, the work, the ethic, uh, you know, the, the, the effort put into it. Right. Um, and the aftermath of your consequences, you know, like you could make a lot of money screwing everybody over, but then you have to live with the effects that you screwed everyone over. You know what I mean? At the same time, 
you know, um, earning something you want, sometimes it takes a lot of work. It takes, you know, challenge. It takes getting up early in the morning and it takes, um, you know, maybe sacrificing some things you want, like maybe the relationship or, you know, or comforts or eating certain foods or whatever. Right. Um, but the reason why I don't believe in sacrifice is because sacrifice is ultimately, I think, an illusion. I think it's actually like, if you really are connected to what you want, there becomes no sacrifice. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? But sacrifice is the illusion that you are kind of, you're kind of disconnected from what you want. And you're saying you're kind of like, disconnected from what you do, you're doing. And you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's total disconnection because the thing is, is like, um, like if a parent were to say like, I sacrificed for you, it's like, well, you know, like you, you didn't have to, but you chose to, you know, whatever you do, you choose to do, right? Like you ultimately choose to do it. So you obviously had a higher value taking care of me than you did whatever. And it's not to say you're not grateful, but the whole idea yeah. of sacrifice is like, like, what is that? Like a currency that you're going to like use or like, I sacrifice so much, which means that I, you know, I deserve this and blah, yeah. blah. You know, it's the same thing that I used to do. Um, you know, throughout, you know, my younger years when it was just like, I, I did everything right. And I played by the rules and expected, you know, the, the world to, to return everything and such. And it's like, no, it doesn't, doesn't quite work that way. It doesn't mean that I become a dickhole about everything, (laughs) but it does, it does change. Um, it does change how I like, I, it, it just, it changes a few things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, and I think a lot of people have that struggle. I remember when you were going through that a little bit, you know, like, uh, a lot of people believe if they do all the right things, they're going to get, you know, that in return. And, and, um, instead of, instead of looking at the connection of like, I'm doing this because I'm upholding a value or I'm upholding something in my life or I'm doing something because I believe in it. They look at it as like a currency. Like if I give this up, I, I, I'm, I'm entitled to this. And it's like, well, that's not true. I mean, just because you do something does not mean you're entitled to the other thing. Yeah. And that's the thing about like beliefs, you know, it's kind of like, like, and being in the moment, like when you begin to live your life the way that you want to live your life, you know, the, and, um, you know, where, where you're going in the future, like, and realism and, and idealism kind of comes in this too. Like if you believe that the best you'll ever hope for is some job that you hate, but you'll have like maybe a basic house and maybe like a partner that you're satisfied with. And like, maybe you'll have some kids and you know, whatever. And like, hopefully you'll live and you won't get cancer and get sick or something. And that's, no, I'm not kidding you. Like some people kind of walk around life like this. And and this is a real thing. This is like, people literally talk like this, you know? And it's like, you know, and that's kind of how you live your life. I mean, the thing is, is that your experience of yourself is going to be, very like, um, I think, you know, very minimal. But if you look at your life, like what's, you know, like I, I have this vision, I have this possibility, I have this thing I want to go for. I don't know how it's going to work. I might even be in touch with the realism of it, but I, but this is where I want to, I want to push towards. You're going to maybe look at your life a little bit differently. You're going to look at the moment that you're in and consider, you know, right now, and I've talked about this, I think on the previous podcast, a couple, but I'm on this, uh, health, health kick right now. I'm really like thinking mindfully a lot about what I eat. Yeah. And I had a realization, uh, you know, earlier this week where I basically haven't been eating bread, sugar, or dairy, you know? And so, uh, 
I cut, I cut those out of my diet until uh, maybe a few days ago where I decided just as a treat, I would have like a couple bagel sandwiches, which is something Oof. I know a couple, a couple too. of bagels, man. Bagels are like bricks. Yeah. They're like <laughs> bricks. Well, you're telling me, man. So listen, so what happened was, um, I've basically been going out without, without this gluten, without bread and whatever for quite a while. Yeah. But I, and then you like go for like the breadiest of breads almost. Go hard, man. You gotta go <laughs> full out. Right. But anyway, I was just going to have one, but, um, I was like, Oh, they're so, they got a deal. It's so inexpensive. I'm like, I'll get two. And so I was eating the first one and I remember thinking I'm still hungry, but I shouldn't eat the second. I'm like, ah, whatever. I'll do it. 30 minutes, 40 minutes later. Oh my God. I can I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I was so tired all of a sudden. I was just like, I felt ill. Like, and, and I'm someone who's eaten bread my whole life. Like I, like I have, I love breakfast. I love having yeah. my, you know, bagels or, or toast in the morning or whatever. I love sandwiches. I love burgers, you know, and I have the good fortune of maybe having a high metabolism. I've been athletic in my life. So it hasn't, I haven't really seen the effects so much on my body. Yeah. But, um, you know, cutting it out for a few weeks and then all of a sudden having it, I, I, I was like, I need to go to bed. I like, I just, I canceled. I had like a coaching call. I like, I'm like, we need to do this tomorrow. Like, I'm like, you don't mind. Like, cause I'm, I'm like not in a good place right now. And like the effects that it had on me were so, and yeah. so anyway, so I woke up from my slumber, <laughs> you know, I started, I got some greens, started to feel good again. And I'm like, whoa, I'm like going to be really careful about bread because I realized that my eating bread, actually, if I'm, if I'm functioning at tiredness most of the time, like how much does that minimize and and limit me from pursuing my dreams and my goals? Like, I don't want to be tired in my life. I don't want to sleepwalk through my life. Yeah. I I love bread. I love bread and butter. I love sandwiches. I love burgers. I I love bagels. I love all that stuff. Like it's so good. It tastes so good. But I, I kind of had a values check where I was like, what's more important having this nice treat or, you know, having the energy to do and live the way I want to live. And yeah. I just realized, you know what, this is a turning point in my life where I got to take this thing and I got to, you know, and it becomes a treat. I'm not going to cut yeah. it out entirely. I'm going to have it every now and then, but I'm going to be really mindful about it. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like just doing it. Cause I'm like, Oh, who gives a shit? Well, yeah, yeah. well it's just like a balance, like with anything. Yeah. Stick with one. Yeah. Have one bagel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not two. Oh my well, God. Yeah. But you know, that's the other thing too about like, um, you know, I probably could have toughed out the tiredness to be honest, like the other day. Yeah. But, um, but I noticed the effect mostly because I had so much consistent energy, just like functioning on greens and like, like, you know, lean proteins and stuff like that, yeah. that like, to experience that tiredness, which is probably actually something I was used to before was like, whoa, like, but the other thing is, is like through those people who are on the other side going, yeah, but you know, like if you just eat shit all the time, you you find cause you're used to it. It's like, no, you don't understand what it's like when you, when you actually like eat broccoli and kale and good stuff all the time and lean protein, like you have a consistent energy in life. Like it's like, you know, like, I don't know, whatever I, I you, I do. I have that experience. I had that experience. So I would recommend to anybody, I'd say, take this one month challenge, three week challenge, even just cut out bread, cut out dairy and cut out, um, you sugar. know, sh- sugar. Yeah. I mean, maybe like you can substitute a couple things, but like, you know, like uh, honey, I would use honey sometimes. Yeah. I didn't find that was too bad, but th- cutting out the bread and cutting out the dairy, huge, 
also lost like about eight or 10 pounds already. Yeah. You know, and leaned out and I've, and you know, it's interesting. It's only been three weeks for me and for that to happen, it's been pretty good. So yeah. anyway, my point is, is that there's like, there's what we want in the moment and there's what we want in the future. And I think, you know, we're always battling with that. Yeah. And idealism and realism is kind of like that. But if you have an idealistic view, I think you're willing to sacrifice more in the moment. If you're realistic, I don't think you're willing to sacrifice. And, and, and when you sacrifice, I don't mean give up, but like, yeah, I don't think you're willing to like substitute so much because you're kind of like, well, it doesn't matter anyway. You know, yeah. at least that's how I experience it. Yeah. And I want to touch on something that you had, you know, something that you had said earlier, which was, you know, we, we get, I can't remember exactly how you had said it, but it was basically, it was like, you know, we have, we have this thing that we want, you know, this thing that this idealistic thing that we want. And we have this image of this thing. And that's, that's what we want to do. Oh, so sacrifice. It was something I wanted to add on to that. There okay. we go. Bring yeah. this around. Um, <laughs> and this whole thing of sacrifice, I just wanted to add one note to that, which was that, you know, like when, when you're coming from this thing of sacrifice, it's like you're making, it's, it's another one of those, those things that we do to make this, this, in all in this pursuit of like this end result of something. And so then we see everything up to it as sacrifice, Uh, right? It's just like, oh, well I wanted this. So like that I, I had to like do all of these things. It's like, well, if all of that is sacrifice to you, then maybe you're in the wrong, maybe you're doing the wrong thing. Right. Right. And, um, I really think there's another, another video that I had watched recently. It was, uh, it was Bertrand Russell mm-hmm. and he was giving this, this sort of this allegory on life as like what he could best kind of describe life as. And, uh, I think it's called, it's like, look up uh, on YouTube. It's like Bertrand Russell. Um, your life is not a journey. And it was really, it was fascinating because basically you're saying, you know, we look at it as like this journey as if like, there's this, there's this goal, this thing that like to get to mm-hmm. in our lives. Right. And he says, it's, it's really not like that. He says, the best thing I can equate our, our lives to is, is a dance, right. Or like a, or a great like musical composition mm-hmm. or something. And he said, because it's like, if, if though, if dance and, and was like, uh, we treated it like a journey, like we kind of look at our, our lives says then, you know, every dancer would just finish in their, like in their final flourish and, and position, or every composer would just finish with like their big, their big crescendo. Right. Right. And says, it's not so like, it doesn't make any sense. Yes. Right. Like, but that's how we actually approach our lives. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 And so it's like, it, it fits in with this whole thing of sacrifice where it's just like, it's like, we're, it's like, we're just like ignoring like a whole, like a massive chunk of our lives in the pursuit of an idea of something. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really good. I really like that analogy. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it really, there's so many ways. I mean, that's like our life. Like, it's so funny. It's like you, you're living your life with the intention to get to someplace and, and you're forgetting about the whole thing you're even doing. 
you know? Yeah. And, um, Oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to, Oh shit. You know, like you're just like, you're caught in this whole thing and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it, you, you narrow your focus. You become so blind to like what's happening. Like right now you forget to enjoy yourself right now, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe even realize that you're not even enjoying what you're doing. Right. Cause again, what's the point in that? Right. If you're not enjoying it. Well, and I think like, uh, enjoyment is an interesting thing too, because like there's a part of me that really enjoys just sitting on a couch, relaxing and, and watching Netflix or, or watching a movie or doing something yeah. like that. Like I, I enjoy that. But when I think about my life and I think about who I am as a person, I don't think that I want to be remembered as the guy that sat on his couch and watched Netflix his whole life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so there's most people like, don't. no, and I don't think so. And I, I think that even if no one really even knew what I was doing, I don't know if I want to see myself that way, you know? And I think so there's a part of me that, um, you know, I'm watching, uh, actually, and I, I'm highly going to recommend this show to everybody. It'll probably be old news by this time, but it's called easy. It's a new show on Netflix. Oh yeah. I just saw that. Yeah. Exceptional, exceptional show. I thought anyway, but when I was watching that show and as entertaining as it was and as great as it was after watching it, I was just inspired. I just like, I'm like, I want to make something now, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I want to get up. And so like, um, I think that, uh, a lot of the stuff that we experience, um, kind of gives us this, this, I think it's also giving us permission at the same time we're enjoying it. It's giving us permission to do our life. And yeah. I do think it's good to like take time to like, say meditate or watch a show or go for a walk or do something that doesn't necessarily quote unquote, get you anywhere. But that time, like to journal or to do whatever you're doing can help inform what you're about to do. Yeah. But I think, I think we have, uh, uh, sometimes we get caught in an inertia of like doing something just to almost like pass the time. Like, it's like, I don't feel good. Killing time. Yeah. Killing time. Right. And instead of killing time, I think we should look at how we, um, are investing our time. How are we making our time? Like what, what, what are we going to do with our time? And, and, you know, like when I'm at the gym, you know, I was talking with a friend about this and you know, he's like, this is a while back, but he was saying like, what, like, what's the deal? Like, why, like, why are you doing this? Like, and I was like, I have this vision of where I want to be. And, 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 and right now, like I'm, I'm thinking about how this is getting me closer and I was Mm -hmm. enjoying it. And, and, and it was kind of a perceptual shift for him, but I would see my, like say my abs getting more defined, you know, doing the extra sit-ups, doing the stuff. And, and I was like, enjoying it in a way. It was hard. Don't get me wrong. It was like, I was sweating, like dripping on the floor, but at the same time I was enjoying it because I knew it was getting me to where I wanted to do. Yeah. But I've also had the experience and every once in a while this does happen. It's usually when I get kind of disconnected from what I'm doing where I'm like working out and I'm at the gym where I'm doing something. I'm like, Oh, I just want to go home. I cannot wait till this is over. And you know what? I think everybody's going to have that experience, but like, that is definitely not how that's not how I want to experience my workouts. Yeah. You know, wanting to go home like halfway through the workout and being like, this sucks and it's hard is not a great experience. Yeah. But being in the middle of the workout and being like, yeah, like I'm getting there. Like, like, and you know, I don't know how sometimes I slip out of it. I'm not entirely sure, but I, but I think that, you know, this is, 
Anyway. Well, I mean, every day it's like, why do we, life. like, it's just like why we feel <laughs> so different about everything at any moment in time, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, 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 like, there, it doesn't seem to be a whole ton of rhyme or reason to any of it. Well, you know what I was thinking is, uh, as I was saying that, is like, idealism, I think, when you don't believe your idealism is possible, you're not going to go and be an idealist because, because, and I think that's where realists struggle is they don't believe it's possible. So there's no point in going for it. Whereas someone who's maybe more of an idealist actually believes it's possible. So they're willing to at least try. And it's true that the idealist might not get, um, the thing, but I think the idealist has the advantage overall because, um, I think that they start being the way that that's possible. And they might find out it is possible. They might find out it's not, but they were raising the bar for themselves as opposed to the person who is realist, who's like, well, there's no point. So why bother? You know, and that's how, at least that's how I interpret myself when I'm, when I'm a realist, I don't know how other people do. Um, but like whenever I decide that there's no point, I sabotage myself. Mm -hmm. But when I, when I go, you You know what, I believe this is possible like, I don't know how, and I don't know, but I believe it's possible. I find that I end up pushing myself and doing things that actually kind of amaze me. Yeah. You know, and I, I ultimately, when I look back at my life, it was the times that I was an idealist that were much better than the times that I was a realist. Usually when I was a realist, I gave up on stuff. Yeah. And I, and I, and I did the thing that I didn't necessarily want to do. Like I ate the ice cream or sat on the couch or I didn't write the script or do the thing or put myself out there or go to the party or talk to the girl or whatever you know, I just didn't do it. And, and I think the idealist, you know, <laughs> I'll share a per- quick personal story. I was in high school and I was not a cool kid in high school. I was like a loner outsider. Yeah. And I went up to one of the, so you became an actor. <laughs> uh, no, totally. I wanted everyone to love me. Um, but I, I went up to one of the most popular girls in school. And after class, I said, I, I just asked her if she would talk and she said, okay. And I, and I asked her out and one of my, one of someone I, I knew, a Queens friend or whatever, they'd witnessed it and they were like, and she, and at the end she didn't even say no. She's like, well, can I think about it? And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I was a teenager. Yeah. And so, um, my friends afterwards were like, I, I wish I could do that. Like, I can't believe you just went up and asked her out. Like the odds of me and her dating were so small. I mean, like, you know, it's school, like at least it's like popularity contest yeah. or whatever. And I was not in the cool group. So for me to go and like break the mold and ask her out was like, and she said, she'd think about it. And then the next day she said, no, um, it's funny. I always share these rejection stories, but I think they're so powerful because the thing <laughs> is, is she said, no, but I kind of suspect that she actually wanted to date me. I suspect that she actually liked me, but it wasn't status quo to date me that, cause I think that's why, why did she have to think about it? Why didn't she just say no? She yeah. really didn't want to. Why didn't she say no? So in a certain way, it was kind of a win for me. You know what I mean? Regardless of what the outcome was. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that was my idealist side, you know, it was my side of like, maybe it's possible. Maybe she will say yes, you know? And, uh, and, um, I remember kind of walked away from that situation going, well, you know, she at least considered it, you know, it wasn't like, no, I'm not going to date you. It was like, well, can I think about it? You know, even if it was like, no, but I'm going to think of a better way and a kinder way to say no, at least she had the consideration to do that. You know, at least, you know, whatever, at the very least, who cares what she did? I went out and did something 
and I, and I went against all odds and I went and did something that I thought was possible. There's, you know, it's, there is something really exhilarating about doing something that you, you think you can't do. Yeah. Even though it's entirely possible. Yeah. Like sometimes we say, like, oh, I can't do that. And, and you go, well, why, why can't you do that? Mm-hmm. Why, why can't you do that right now? There's, there's literally nothing stopping you from doing that. Right. And it's, and it is it's like you were saying earlier, it's like, it's almost, it, it is 90% and every single reason that you'll come up with, it's yourself yeah. telling like, that's, that's the reason why you can't. It's totally. some, it's some bullshit that you've created about yourself, some image you have about yourself or something you think, um, that's the only thing that's preventing you from doing it. I mean, I, I had shared just like, you know, because it, it's a, it's a consistent thing. Like, and it's a wonderful thing because we, we, as we live and grow and evolve, like the only reason that happens is because we confront our limitations. Yeah. We confront our, our limiting perceived beliefs, our perceived limitations. limitations. By our limiting and, beliefs, that's a good way to put yeah. it. Yeah. And, and we, and when we kind of engage with that, we, we explore it. We, we see kind of where that can come from. We can come to some understanding. We can let them go, right? Mm-hmm. We can release them. We can see that they don't, they're not really helping us. Like the only, like they're, they're not serving us in any way whatsoever. Um, and so it, it, it takes place in big things and in little things. And I had shared like a while back, like we like gone off to like uh, a cabin with some friends, like for, for like a weekend. And it was like, like the, it was almost dark out and oh, yeah, like, swimming. We're, yeah, we were on yeah. the lake and, and like this, and it was just like glass, like the lake, it was just incredible. And there's like this mist off of, off of it. And I was just like, man, I always want to swim in a lake like this. Right. And, and it was just like, my mind was coming up with like all these things it's like, Oh, it's cold out and it's almost dark and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and no one else wants to go right. In. <laughs> no one else wants to go in and blah. And it's like, and it's like, well, it doesn't matter. Right. And it was like, it, so that's just like, a, you know, it's, it m- might seem like a, a really, I don't know, a, a menial example of this, but I mean, this is how it does actually those types of beliefs influence us in, in little ways and in big ways. And I think it was like, I went and I did it. Like I yeah. went and, and I went for so, and it was, it was fucking amazing. Like yeah. I was so glad that I had done it. And the only reason why I couldn't do it was just like stuff that I was telling myself and they weren't even real things that were stopping me from, from doing it. Yes. And we do this to ourselves constantly, yeah. constantly, constantly, constantly. Well, and you make up like, you know, like, I project, I mean, I project that like you're making up how, oh, it's going to be cold to the point where it's uncomfortable. It's going to be dark for what, like, you know, and the thing is, is like you hopped in there, you know, I was there and, and, and that was actually a, a kind of a shifting moment for me because I mean, I was on the dock and I had a coat on, you know, and you, and you were like, I want to do this. And I was like, and I was thinking like, yeah, do it. And then you went and did it. And I was like, that's, that's life, man. I mean, you want to do something, you go do it. You know, you don't, you don't like, and I was just like thinking like beyond the lake. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously the lake, <laughs> like if, if that's what you think the we're lake talking was about, metaphor, man. it totally is a metaphor, <laughs> but it's like that in life. It's like, I want to do this thing. And, and most of the reasons that stop us from doing the thing that we want, we use to kill that desire, you know, they're made up. And I think like, um, 
and it was interesting because you hung out there. You were like a polar bear. I don't know. I don't even know how cold it was really. It was nice. Yeah, it was nice ultimately. Oh. But you just swam around for a while, and we all kind of watched and and hung out and you talked to us from the lake and you jumped up on another dock that was like way out in the middle of the lake, you know? And it was like, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I remember there was a point where you're out there and I was thinking like, maybe I want to go in. And I was like, I don't know. But I was like, but it was kind of inspiring. And I think that's the thing is like, I, I definitely was inspired because I was like, I like the fact that you just went and did the thing you wanted to do. I can really, I can really appreciate that. I, and I think that's kind of like, idealism's kind of like that. It's kind of like, none of this really makes sense, but it's what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and the thing the- <laughs> was like, and, and it wasn't like hurting anybody, right? No, of That's course. The other thing. Yeah. It's like, I'm not hurting anybody. It wasn't hurting myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like we were, it's not like you, you know, we, we were near a cabin. I mean, it's not like you were going to freeze to death or something crazy was yeah. going to happen. I mean, for the most part, it was like, we had, you know, we had most things taken care of. So it was, you know, but I think a lot of things are like that. We have most of our life, like, you know, these things we want, like, I mean, asking out that person that you like, or, or going and making that movie you want to make, or, or writing that song you want to do, or getting up on stage and doing that comedy bit, whatever it is, like, yeah, it might not work out the way you hope, but like, we have this calling inside of us to do it. And we can come up with all these reasons, you know, like, yeah, if it's stand up comedy, like no one will laugh, you know, it's like, well, maybe, but, but maybe somebody know. will, <laughs> maybe somebody will laugh hysterically and right. think that you're funny as shit. Maybe, maybe the water's pretty warm. Right. <laughs> right. Maybe that's a good, that's a good metaphor. Like maybe the water is warmer than you think, you know, these things you want to jump into. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. This has been a really good talk. It's actually been, uh, it's, it's, it's helped me to, um, actually kind of love the realist of myself a little bit more. Yeah. Cause I, cause I've always thought of myself as an idealist and I've made being a realist kind of wrong or bad. And actually now I'm actually kind of embracing that idea a little more, but at the same time, I would say for those who are more realists, if I could leave them with anything, I would say maybe encourage your idealism a little bit more and don't make yeah. idealism so wrong and so impossible. And, and, uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, idealists don't make realists wrong and realists don't make idealists wrong. Let's work together. Cause I think what, what, what we need to do is we need the grounding of how this works. You know, we need to, and I think this is the industry artistry kind of talk, right? Mm-hmm. Industry is realism. Yeah, completely. Artistry is idealism. Right. And I think what we do is we constantly need to find how to find the balance between this stuff. We need to find where these two meet and how they can work together. It's like a man and woman, you know, masculine, feminine, whatever we, that not one is not better. And one is not worse. It's like these things are good. We want to be rich in both, not yeah. in one or the other. Yeah. Right? What are the, what are, what are the strengths of each of these? What can we draw from them? What, and, and yeah. where, where do they go too far? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's my wrap up. I, I don't really have much more to say than that. I, I, you know, you were talking and I was just like, what the, hell am I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, that was perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it really is. We came into this conversation. It was just like, and it was kind of like, there's parts like, yeah, idealism all the way. And <laughs> we totally and, did. Yeah. And then suddenly it was like, uh, well, hold on a second. Yeah. And there's something, there's something to, there's knowledge to be gained in, there's wisdom in, in each of them. And yeah, they're not inherently, one is not inherently better than the other. They each have their function and their role. And, uh, and I thought it was interesting that if you go too far with, with either of them, the effect becomes the same. Yeah. Which is nothing. Right. (laughs) 
Uh, that's, yeah. yeah, that's good, man. Um, well, well, this was a good one. Yeah. All right. Not so serious Sunday. Not always s- keeping it. Keeping, keeping it, it serious. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, just you know, those people who are the audience members too is like to understand. Uh, these are conversations of discovery, not like, like, I mean, there's moments where we're going to share some wisdoms with you about maybe things that we personally have discovered. But like at the end of this, I always find that there's like, I've discovered something new. Like, it's not like I go into this knowing the answers all the time. Yeah. That's why I love these conversations because regardless of anybody's listening or not, it's kind of like, um, I always feel like I'm a little better off on my journey. Yeah. Well, well, you said it's not a journey. <laughs> yeah, it's a dance. It's a dance, but I'm a little better off on my dance because yeah. you know I can I can uh, I have something to work with because I kind of come in I come in with my perception, you come in with your perception of it, and for some reason you know you take two people together and they bounce it off each other and you kind of for a weird reason come up with something new. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like it's it's <laughs> I, I I look at these like I'm learning something. Like I go into these conversations like with like. I'm, I'm doing this to learn stuff, Yeah, you know? And, um, like, I don't really see myself as being like a teacher of yeah. sorts when we do this. Like, I'm not here, like, we're not doing these podcasts, like to teach you anything, to tell you necessarily <laughs> how to do anything, but you know, to, I don't know, to just yeah. be, to, to explore, to explore. To explore. Yeah. yeah. And to maybe, um, you know, use the little bits of wisdoms or experiences that we have to, to open the door to the discussion, yeah. I guess. And the things that we stumble upon, yeah. the lessons that we're learning as we go, I'd like the one we learned today. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everyone for tuning in. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks. Thanks.